The reading today is from Paul's letter, second letter to the Corinthians, to be found on page 1096, starting at chapter 4, verses 5 to 12. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. This is the word of the Lord. A prayer before I start. O God, our Father, your word is so full of wonderful truths. May what I say be faithful to your word and help us through your Holy Spirit to receive it. Amen. Did you realize that as a Christian, you have treasure? And this is what today's reading from Corinthians is all about. That as Christians, we have a priceless treasure which we carry around within us. Treasure is usually locked away in a strong room or a safe. However, a Christian's treasure is carried about in our vulnerable bodies, unlike worldly treasure. So why on earth should Paul be writing a letter to the Corinthian church about treasure and vulnerability? And to understand this, we have to look at what was happening in that church. And this information is found in the previous chapters of the book. Paul loved all the churches he had founded. And he prayed regularly for them. So you can imagine how he felt when some members of that church were questioning his credentials as a leader and the validity and purpose of his teachings. They were claiming that he had used underhanded methods and cleverness to get his own way. And lastly, 
that he had adulterated the gospel message. These accusations, especially the last one, deeply hurt Paul. But he doesn't abandon his ministry or his ties with them, as some might have done when faced with criticism and lies. But instead, he increases his efforts. Paul defends himself by saying that he had carried out his ministry with great care, and in no way had he altered the Christian message to suit his purposes, but had truthfully and accurately given them that message, as seen in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. However, the opposite was true of Paul's accusers. They saw their preaching as an opportunity to gain power, control and recognition. And they weren't too fussy about how they did it. And if it meant changing or watering down the Christian message in order to please the people, then they'd do so. And in chapter 2, Paul very rightly refers to them as those who peddle the word of God for profit. So those who were trying to discredit Paul were guilty of the very things of which they accused him. And the verses we are looking at today is Paul's reply to the criticism levelled at him. But in doing so, he has given Christians down through the ages, including us today, some very valuable teaching. These verses also tell us something about Paul himself, how he never loses heart in the great task he feels God has given him to do. And because he believes it is a God-given task, he is able to do and suffer amazing things in order to carry it out. The Greek word uses, Paul uses for preach means herald, and I was so thrilled when I found this out because I always cringe at the thought that I'm preaching at anybody. But the word actually means a person who brought important announcements from a king or emperor. And this is exactly what Paul believed he was doing. In Acts 9, we are told that after his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus told him that he was going to take the message of the gospel to Jews and Gentiles alike. And in the process, he would suffer many things. So Paul believed he was delivering an important announcement from the king of kings. And no amount of opposition or suffering was going to stop him doing so. If we all believed and acted like this, what a difference this would make to the spread and growth of Christianity in our community. Paul's accusers, when they preached, focused on themselves. But Paul focused his and his listeners' attention on Jesus. In verse 6, Paul could well have been thinking of his Damascus Road vision when he speaks of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. This glimpse which he had of God's glory changed his life's direction and changed him. And it is this image of God's glory that he wanted to convey 
to his listeners. Also, in the same verse, Paul likens what God did at creation to what happened to him. God said, let there be light, dispelling the darkness and chaos. And this is what Paul believed God was doing in his and people's lives. Through the gospel message, God is shining light into the darkness and chaos that is often in people's lives. And in verse 4, Paul says that it is this gospel, through Jesus, which enables us to know God. So, if Paul was so passionate and committed in spreading the gospel wherever he went, why is it that in verse 4 he tells the Corinthians that despite all his dedication and hard work, there are some who do not respond? They can't seem to see the relevance of the gospel for them. And the same verse gives us the answer. They are spiritually and mentally blindfolded by the God of this age, who is Satan or the devil. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul speaks of the devil as the prince of the power of the air and the God of this world. And in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, deliver us from the evil one. So Paul and Jesus certainly believed in the existence of the devil. However, the good news is that the devil is not omnipotent, that is, not all-powerful. He is limited in his power. For God has placed into the hands of Christians a very powerful weapon the gospel, which can overcome this blindness. Satan can only remove spiritual and mental blindness, but God can restore them through the gospel so that the spiritually and mentally blinded can see and receive God's gift of eternal life. Paul had a part to play in this, so what is our part? We are to keep praying for the blindfold to fall off because all of us at one time were also blindfolded by the devil. That doesn't mean that we lived wicked lives and did wicked things, but we couldn't see or know God in a personal way. So how on earth could we hope to live lives that would be pleasing and acceptable to him if we didn't know him? The prophet Isaiah describes what we were like in chapter 9 of his book. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. And it is this illumination in our hearts which brings us into God's family, which of course Chris spoke about last week. Paul now moves on to the preachers or the heralds of the gospel, which of course includes all Christians and therefore includes us also. He describes them, himself included, as clay jars, which were very common in Palestine. They were fragile and easily broken and then thrown away. However, these very fragile jars were often used to hide treasure in and then buried in the ground. 
And it wasn't the jar which was important, but the treasure within it. And this is what Paul is trying to tell the Corinthians, that they shouldn't be looking at him as someone important, because if they did, they would miss the treasure he had discovered and now wanted to show and share with them. He then goes on to reinforce his fragility and vulnerability by listing the sufferings and hardships that he and his companions had endured and still were enduring. But he also wanted to show something else, the power of God which was sustaining them. The fragility of his body was his, but the glory of what God was able to do through him was God's and his alone. And this helped him to recognize his utter dependence on God. Verse 10, 7 tells us that Paul and his companions were bombarded and surrounded by trouble. Sometimes our lives can feel a bit like this. However, he then goes on to say they were not destroyed or crushed by these circumstances. Often they were perplexed, not knowing what to do, but never in despair, believing that God knew what to do, even if they didn't. Life can put all kinds of pressures on us, but as Christians, we believe that we are never in such a tight corner that there is no way out. And this is due to our knowledge of God's love for us and our relationship with him. In verse 9, Paul says they were persecuted, but never abandoned by God. At their wit's end, but never at their hope's end. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we don't know what to do. It is then as Christians that we need faith to believe that something can be done and that God will be instrumental in doing it or showing us what to do. Does this sound like pie in the sky? Believe me, it isn't. Because there have been many occasions in my life when situations have seemed impossible. But when I've stopped trying to work things out independently of God and handed the problem over to him, that is when he has shown me what he can do. And this is what Paul is talking about when he says that his frailty has enabled God's glory to be revealed. The jars of clay that Paul is talking about is our mortality as human beings. Christians and non-Christians alike are the victims of circumstances subject to the chances and changes of human life and with all the body's weaknesses and pain. But as Christians, it's up to us, especially at such times, to allow the treasure within to shine through. So lastly, and most importantly, what is this treasure? The answer is in verse 6, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth the light of the majesty and glory of God, as it is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. 
However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be of God and not of ourselves. So, what is the divine light of the gospel? I think it is simply and concisely put in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, that God so loved, not just loved a little, but so much that it is impossible to describe that. He gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that God did not send his Son, Jesus, to condemn the world, but to save it. So let's try making those verses a little bit more personal by putting a name in there. God so loved M, or John, or Donald, or whoever you are, that he sent Jesus for us, not to condemn us, but offer us life without end, beginning here and now. As indescribable as this seems, God does know our names. And when he calls us, he calls us by name. Jesus called himself the Good Shepherd, and in Palestine the shepherds knew all their sheep, and when they wanted their attention, they called to them using their names. I wonder, is God trying to get your attention this morning? Or are you still blindfolded to your need of him? Don't leave this morning without doing something about it and talking to someone. But why on earth does God entrust this priceless treasure in ordinary, vulnerable human beings like us? The answer is so that we can display his greatness and power in our lives and point others to him. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And Colossians chapter 1, we are told that we carry the presence of God within us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. This should give us confidence, like Paul, to witness boldly about God's love for those we know and meet, and so share our treasure with them. Amen.